Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. Compliments of the season, guys. Compliments, Compliments of the season, guys. guys. Uh, uh, I would uh, say a somewhat good performance. Wouldn't say a good result, but, you know, first few minutes of the Arteta raid, and suddenly you saw a different Arsenal. Everybody chasing balls down. You saw Bami and closing down. It was just an all-round um, different performance. Yeah, Arteta then made, you know, three changes going to the game. One was forced uh, with... Uh, Martinelli being injured. And then, of course, Chambers was now suspended for the game. And then um, Emil smith I think that was more down to uh, tactical change. And then in came Socrates, Ozil, and Lacazette. Um, On to the game now. It was also something very, you know, going kind of cautious. But you could see Arsenal were kind of setting up to some sort of, you know, game plan to a degree. But, I mean, look, still the chances were there. I mean, the, the defence is still... Kind of the Achilles heel of the team. And I mean, I think after five minutes, Len- Leno pulled a fantastic save from Fraser. Yeah, but well, like, well, the, the, the positivities, I can, you know, like I came after watching, like, you know, watching this game, you, you, you felt a bit more, I don't know how you felt, but I felt a bit more positive. I felt a bit more like, you know, there's hope, you know, something can be done. And it, I'm not saying they have a full identity yet, but you can see, there is sort of a, a way that, you know, that Arsenal's going to play. I know, like, kind of maybe that, you know, that Barcelona way of when you lose the ball, you try to win it back as quick as possible. And I think you told me that, or I never said in the podcast or privately where you spoke about how Arteta is now doing this training regime where if they lose the ball, they need to try to win it back, like, in a certain amount of seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, like, seven minutes, like I said, then got a chance, but he ended up, uh, you know, fluffing the chance. And then again, 11 minutes, he ended up blazing over the bar. And I think one thing that was worrying me, uh, you know, throughout the course of the game, I mean, I'm still going to just jot on certain points going through the, the, the podcast now. But for me, he looks a bit heavy set. He looks almost like I'm totally out of sorts because, like, even the, when you're asking him to, like, hold the ball up, he's losing the ball. You know, like, he's not taking the ball, like, with a circular first touch or stuff like the ball was like bobbling or even if he is laying the ball off to somebody he's either playing it behind the player or yes eating like a bobbling pass so there is something certainly wrong with Lacazette at the moment and I mean uh, it also goes down to show how the things are working for him at the moment where he's only actually getting game because Martinelli is injured because I don't think like besides now watching this sort of performance I don't even think he would have gotten in if Martinelli was, you know, fit. Because look, Martinelli had some, um, like a light uh, hamstring strain. But it's, it's just not like a tear or anything. It's just a, a slight strain on it. So that's why he wasn't like arrested now through a part of this festive period now. Granit Xhaka had me a bit nervous at one stage. I think when he got caught trying to turn the ball, or he tried to flick the ball up. But then uh, um, Bournemouth almost scored from an attack from that. But I think... That was really the only thing I, I felt that Granit Xhaka did, putting his foot wrong in the game. Other than that, he had a, he played a fantastic game. Yeah, and then 35 minutes of the goal by uh, Bournemouth. Uh, you know, almost like a, at one you know, you can say, yes, it was Saka at fault. But, you know, the Nippers was also taking consideration. He's now, you know, almost like a winger being asked to play as an alternate uh, left-back. So, I mean, he went in, I think he went, you know, full-blooded into the tackle. And of course, the guy just ended up skipping, like flicking the ball. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Stacy. It ended up just flicking the ball over him and started darting goalwards. And by the time they already cut the ball into, uh, into the Arsenal box, uh, Gosling 
managed to, you know, worm his way between the two Arsenal central defenders who, you know, made it almost like make it too easy for him to, you know, manage to get in and still flick a, a, a soft shot under Leno's body to go one up. Yeah, that's actually the first time Arsenal really, like, you know, lost their shape or lost their composure and it led to a goal. Because I think Arteta, you know, I don't know if you heard him in the game, you know, screaming, get back, get back. So it's like he's talking on the touchline, telling, giving the players instructions. And I think it was the first time, you know, things went over, something went over their head, like where they didn't communicate properly or the back line. Like you said, Saka just dived in. And I think that was the first lapse that, that caused actually us to concede, which is very unfortunate because for me, I, I thought we were playing well up until then. Yeah, because everything looked as you, I think you mentioned now, you know, things look a bit more structured in the squad. Yeah. But then, 42nd minute, Nelson was, you know, having a real. You know, it was like a very mixed bag of a game. He ends up, you know, looking quite weak against uh, Joshua King, who ends up, you know, just like manhandling him off the wall. But then, you know, forcing a shot. But I mean, Leno had a fantastic double save to, you know, keep things at bay going into the half. I think Leno's been a shining light thus far this season. I mean, if it wasn't for him, you know, they say if it wasn't for Aubameyang's goals, Arsenal could be in 20th place. But yeah. without his save as well, I mean, we could have been there as well. Uh, we even go into the break, uh, a goal down, but you already knew, you know, what sort of talk that was going to come out, you know, with, with when they have to walk out for the second half. And then, I mean, within what's it, 20 minutes or so, Arsenal gets the equaliser, a Nelson, you know, one of the rare moments that he now, you know, play, you know, put his dead down and really drove at the Bournemouth defence. Manages to get a, some sort of deflected shot, which somehow breaks to Aubameyang. And I mean, he just ends up stroking the ball past the keeper. 1-1. And I think from that point, I, I really felt that Arsenal, I felt strongly that Arsenal could come and make it 2-1 or 3-1. Because it was just Arsenal starting to overpower Bournemouth. I yeah. think Arteta's football started, you know, I'm not saying they're 100% there. But you could see that change in attitude. They looked more positive. They had more belief. They weren't just happy to settle for a point. And what you mentioned about Lacazette is very interesting because there were times when Lacazette broke through and all he could have done was play an easy ball to the left, but then he tries some other weird pass to the right or something and the attack just fizzles out immediately. I mean, for me, uh, the, for me, one of the moments of the match was David Luiz going on this run from our box to the halfway line and playing probably one of the best you know, through balls of the weekend, it dissects the whole Bournemouth defence in, uh, I mean, it was in Lacazette's stride. He didn't even need to break anything with his run. And I don't know what he ended up doing. He almost like, he almost like got all overwhelmed by the moment. And the whole, the, I think what you now mentioned, where everything just fizzled out because <laughs> he had a chance to really, you know, burst through, you know, to turn on the, the, the afterburners. You know, to outpace their defense because I mean they were not the quickest. I mean they they are solid uh, back the back two, and I mean it's not even their first choice defense. But I mean he ended up breaking through, ended up almost like getting hauled in. That's why I said he, it looks like he's carrying a bit of extra weight to him, and that almost like where that whole move just kind of faded away. And he missed the one on one where the key, keeper oh, I just keep on forgetting his name the the Bournemouth keeper, but Renzo. he. Yes, Ramsdale, yes, Ramsdale. Um, he, he made a vital save, and like I said, it was through, also through on goal. I think it could have been with that Luis part, and then he hit it straight into the keeper, or the keeper made a good save. 
But the uh, informed Lacazette would have smashed that in like easily or coolly put it away. I mean, if, uh, I was just thinking if you had enough, say, put Aubameyang with that much time and space, or you take Martinelli with so much time and space, they're gonna shift it left or right to the keeper. So I think this is a really pivotal time for Lacazette for Arsenal because, as like you said, Arteta said you're either gonna be on board or you're gonna show your worth or you know, you know, they're gonna ship you out. So I don't know where Lacazette could be standing. If he carries on with his performances, I mean, what I found also key to this whole this uh, was you said like with the squad set up now under Arteta, Torreira was playing in a more fixed position in front of the defense, not going too much on walkabouts and getting caught out type of thing, and Özil giving that free roaming and all it looked like almost like a different player, yes. floating around that you know. Then you see him the left side, then you see him popping balls on the middle. Then he's drifting himself out wide because at times they didn't even know how to mark him anymore. Yeah, they, they, even our half-time partners, we had Tim Sherwood and Alan Shearer there and they were they were like compliment, and they're very harsh critics of Ozil. But mm. the way they were complimenting, saying he's doing the difficult passes now, they're not trying to make things happen where before he would just go sideways, 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 sideways. But now he's trying to make things happen. And... I think our defense, like you said, was a bit more protected. And Torreira looked a complete different player. There was that one instance when I think it was cleared off the line by Maitland-Niles. And then Torreira kind of stuck his head in, in or he just put his foot in to kind of start the counter-attack. But that's Torreira, that's vintage Torreira, breaking up play and starting off moves. I mean, there was a, a moment also, right almost like at the death, where uh, Lewis Cook, I think, he ended up losing the ball. Arsenal break, and I was thinking, okay, there's another chance to you know snatch it at the death because I mean, for me, almost like Arteta and the squad like, kind of deserved it. But then you know when the, when uh, Lacazette laid the ball <laughs> or Willa, it was such a tame shot. I was thinking, you know, I was expecting one of those rip roaring finishes with you know rocketing the back of the net, and I mean it was more like just somebody giving a back pass to the goalkeeper. Yeah, the little old Ramsdale, and he like just dive on it, and you're like, oh man, I thought we would get the three points this time, especially after points were dropped with Chelsea. Yeah. So end of that, we move our attention now to the game tomorrow against Chelsea at the Emirates. Uh, Arsenal in eleventh position against fourth place uh, Chelsea. But you know what's even more shocking when you look at it with a with a table, Arsenal with five losses and Chelsea with seven losses. Uh, and you look at these other the positions now through you know us throwing so many games and Chelsea chalking up more wins and you know also losing quite a chunk as well. Yeah, they they've been kind of quite vulnerable away from home um, at home, but away from home they put in stellar performances. I mean. The one I can pick up was against recently against Spurs. You know, they did really well against Spurs to get the result against them when they won 2-0. Mm. And Arsenal need to watch out for the likes of Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. Uh, they are really doing the business. And William seems to also be a bit more re- revitalized under Frank Lampard. Yeah, because I mean, at the moment, with that up the stats, the Chelsea players that are, you know, most consistent at the moment is William with 7.4, Kovacic 7.1, and Tammy Abram 7.1. And in the goals category, Tammy Abram in a leader league of his own at, at the club because he's up to 11 for the season. And Pulisic and Mason Mount, five each. Pulisic is also a guy, sorry that I forgot to mention as well. He has, his, he has that hazard to him where he could, you know, punish Arsenal, so... 
I hope we get our house in order, but I do feel Arteta would have done his homework, and uh, I feel quite confident. Yeah, I'll feel somewhat, but then again... <laughs> there I say it, there I say it. It means anything. <laughs> but I mean, uh, looking also at the Arsenal stats, I mean, I was actually quite shocked with us. So, uh, you'd be actually also surprised where, when you look at the consistent performance for Arsenal, uh, Pepe and... and Aubameyang was 6.9 the highest for Arsenal. That says a lot even in the sixes. I mean, we've played lower-ranked teams that has stats of players in the sevens. Mm. So, clearly, there's if our best players are 6.9, there's a lot of room imp- for improvement, and we can only get better from here. And I think also, uh, I think Pepe is now also realising, not actually Pepe, um, Arteta, since, look, Reese Nelson got a nod ahead of him and nothing was really happening but for okay that assist where you know you credit where it's you. But other than that, Reese Nelson didn't do that much. He was his crossing was either under it or over it, never really hitting the targets in the box. And then when when you saw Pepe coming on that last quarter of the game, it looked almost like a sort of injection that the team needed. And you could see with with, with Bournemouth also at point at, at certain uh, of the fullbacks also tiring. They also hated the fact having to defend up against Pepe because, I mean, the way he was waltzing through that, you know, left and right of them and always, like, you know, uh, having people in support, backing him up. So uh, he could be sort of a factor coming into this, you know, this vital period now with the next few games coming up. Yeah, he, he would be. I think he just needs to work on his final product slightly. Yeah. If he gets that right, he could be a, a real pivotal player in this Arsenal team. But with maybe he, Martinelli, and Aubameyang, the three of them, I mean, it's sad to not mention Lacazette in that, but if we have Ozil playing that free role with those three in front of you, I think there could be some havoc in, wreaked in the Premier League. Yeah. So, you know, from that, we switch our attention now to, you know, our kind of talking slash transfer points for the, for the week or so. Um, with regards to Granit Xhaka, with now, I think both player and club have now agreed like, you know, terms fully. Now it's down to Arsenal and Hertha Berlin to now finalise that deal. That is now looking more and more likely because the, there's also two stories floating around. One story was Arteta wants Xhaka to see out um, you know, the season and then like, it was like giving him his blessing like to get a move now to Hertha, whereas Hertha are willing to pay the money now and get him also now and I think the player also wants to leave. Because, I mean, I think he's made it clear to his Swiss uh, teammates. Uh, he's also made it to certain uh, players also in the, at the club that, you know, he wants this now to happen in January already. So, I don't know if, if it's now down to a case of us also looking for some sort of replacement. And then on the other news also that came in, I think also late last week was El Neni, that deal at, we is at Besiktas on loan. That looks to be also... You know, um, almost gonna the, the loan is gonna be almost like uh, ended sooner than expected because Milan have now come in with a, a bid to get him in on, in January already. So I mean that is also like a permanent deal then, and also a play like on anything off the wage bill like, itself. So and then as for incomings, there's still now you know loads of talk going around with uh, Red Bull Leipzig also prepared to sell uh, Upamakano. For something like 40 million or 45 million. That's not bad. Yeah. So we all have to see how that works. Because look, we all know 
we do want to bring in a, a centre back and also that uh, what's it Thomas Party of of uh, Atletico. Atletico. That's also another one. But I think the, the for me the likeliest option because look at the moment Party is still you know a regular a near regular in the in the Atletico team. Whereas someone like uh, Rabio, he's almost like with so many players in that position at Juventus, that is also another option because that actually looks more likely than. I think if we can get either one of those two with Upper Makano, I think there 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 will be a bit more solidity in the team. Because I think Liverpool did something similar where they sold Coutinho and they brought in obviously Becker, Alison Becker in the summer and then but Van Dijk in the January window to kind of um, stabilize the team. So that's something maybe we Arsenal should look at doing. Our our attack is fantastic. But, you know, the, the link from the back to front just needs to be a bit more solid. And I think if they can get the centre-back sorted and someone to support Torreira from time to time, we, we, we could be on the right, in the right direction. But, I mean, uh, we are somewhat, you know, big to differ. It's like, you've got the defence almost like kind of sorting itself now, you know, with, with having that extra protection with uh, Torreira. But for me, it's like we're still fluffing too many chances because... I I really think we should be scoring more and 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 if you just look at this game now, say against Bournemouth, as there were times they were not really, you know, testing Leno in that way as we were getting those sort of chances in the box, but we were skewing our shots, we were you know almost like choking our shots over the bar and and I think that is where I don't know if it's going to come with 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 morale, like team morale or, or attitude or like you know the, the a boost in confidence, but I mean I just hope that. Uh, will now improve in the next, like, say, 14 days or whatever, where the games are going to be coming thick and fast for us. Yeah, uh, it's, we need to get this a string of results together. It's now and ever. You know, you mentioned in the previous podcast, you know, you would like to have gotten nine points out of the nine. Yeah. What is, like, you Man United coming up. So, you know, you don't want to, with Chelsea Man United coming up. Now we've got two points dropped. Do, do, do you accept four points? I mean, five points with a, another draw and then a win? Or do you want that total um, seven points now? For me, anything but, say, seven points, I, I think is honestly to be, like, you know, brutal. It would be failure because we needed this. And, and if you look at the way, say, United got outfoxed by Watford even uh, last week. I mean, they now you know, managed to bounce back uh, against Newcastle, Man United. But, I mean, against Watford, they were literally played off the park. There was uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was trying different tactics, different tweaking. But I mean, Watford, under the new management, under was it Nigel Pearson, he didn't give them any chance to even breathe in that game. So it's not like they got smothered to play, you know, according then. And if you look at the way Southampton played against uh, Chelsea, they almost like they just sucker punched them every time. Chelsea threw everything, like everything but the kitchen sink at, at, at Southampton. But I mean, they held it, they held them at bay and still managed to uh, bag a few goals there. Uh, so, I think Arsenal need to now put a lot of games together because I'm tired of watching draws and and losses. I just want to enjoy a few run of wins for a bit because oh, it's, it's it's been tough watching this. You know, trying to to steal a win and just yeah. ending up dropping points all the time. Yeah. So look, the podcast. You know, we we could pad it for another ten or so minutes, but I mean, it makes no sense. I have a quick question before you end it. You know, since 
uh, all the fans out there also can listen and maybe think about it themselves as well. Since this is the end of the de- like, no end of the decade. What was your game of the decade for Arsenal from 2010 till now? Which stood out for you, which you know you won't forget. I think it was that that sort of performance in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, where it looked also everything was down and out, you know, where the league campaign just goes, you know, tits up, and then you end up seeing them. Like, you know, everybody was talking about Chelsea, this Chelsea that, and on that day, you know, the the sort of stops at the oh, like I, I caught this like since you're not just dropping it on me, but for me, even that if you think the the the, the owl. Um, yes, I think I find that's my that's my pick. I wouldn't classify really the villa because I mean for me that was one way traffic. Yeah, but for me that whole the sort of character take uh, you know, yes. was, like everybody was talking about Arsenal trophies for so many years and this and then they break the duck with that in, in that sort of fashion and then of course with Chelsea where one minute you think you're cruising then Costa scores that that fluky goal and your your heart kind of sinks it but as you your heart is still kind of sinking. <laughs> Also go up the other end and Ramsey bags again a goal. Who's just you know just proved that Wembley is his house. One of the many reasons why we support Arsenal that roller coaster moment that they they take us through. So I hope the next decade is more successful than this one. Even though this one did end our trophy drought, which you know we were happy to have. I just want to also add. Um, the podcast for the 30th, that is what we're going to do with, the, with regards to the player ratings, so, so you guys know. Because the the Man United game, we will only do like we do with like, you know, the usual Saturday, Saturday uh, podcast. But, I mean, the upcoming podcast we're going to do on nothing Monday, which is the 30th, I believe. That is when we do the player ratings of the mid-season. So I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Fingers crossed for Arteta and, boy, and the boys. Come on, you guys. Let's get the three points, guys.